out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. It is it is Saturday, October 15th. Today is the day to say it's day 28 of 100 days of Colin. They're edging down ever so Ever so incrementally, thank God. Um, as much as I like Colin, there's just a lot of action on this platform that's been demanding over the course of a hundred days. Um, you know, I I want to say that that Colin is a great platform. It's it's provided a good forum. I've met some cool new people, and um, but it has a tendency to be a, a little intrusive. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of push notices that seem to to really kind of want to pull you into some things. Um, as far as online behaviors, you know, it kind of erodes some of those those boundaries that you would think, you know, you're like, ah, normally I wouldn't say anything, but now I can't. So you take license where you probably shouldn't. Mm. And, um, you know, just restraint is really important in in things but you know what we live in an age where a lot of times mistakes can be made but people act like they're permanent mistakes that will always be bad so bad forever and ever there's total catastrophization oh my god you said something that people didn't like online oh my god it's a catastrophe mobbing forever you're dead ah so but that's not necessarily so. You know, sometimes you will you will just need to retreat from a thing for a while and just say, you know what, let's not engage this way. Or let's not engage with people who are really, you know, prone to, like, escalating random acts of aggression. And you'll know right away because they, they want to fight. They want to keep a fight. They want to fight. They want to fight always. And they want to fight because they want attention. And they don't have a positive way of seeking positive attention or attention around an issue. So they'll just they'll just go for the, the high sensation punch, like the Jerry Springer treatment. So just so that, you know, and if you can get into a fight with a woman, that seems to be the most attractive thing. Like the the where where there's like a gender on gender fight, like okay, I'm gonna fight this 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 woman, and uh, that seems to be something that that calls a lot of attention. Like, oh, there's an argument happening there. Um, I don't I don't really feel like that's the the right way to go. I think that the gender has been stirred a lot. That pot has been deliberately over stirred. And it's it's pretty destructive. This is just me donating an opinion to to you, the universe, anyone who will listen. Um, it's been overdone, and to to the eminent destruction of civility or temporary civility, just people just don't need it, and including myself. So I've backed away from a lot of discussions, like over the term of the week. I realize that there are people who are just deliberately egging because they think that they can get a fight out of it. And because they think they can get a fight out of it, they think they can get more clicks, more attention, more whatever. So, um, so you just have to recognize that that's what's going on. And these are people who have been trained by bad AI behavior and also validated by their peer group. You're doing the right thing. They're validated by technology companies. Yeah, that gets us money. And so, you know, you don't really owe any of those people anything. That's the other thing is like, you don't owe those people a living. You don't owe them any extra attention for trying to dragging you into these unnecessary, you know, Mendigo slog outs. And when I say it, I mean, they're just trying to figure out how to have a fight to the death where, where it's, it's like video gaming where you, someone dies, but then you come back and you do it all over again. So, um, so I need to figure out another name for that. It's just where you 
die always and then you come back again and you do it again and so that's just not that's not a conventional life that's not civility it's not it, but it is what the internet is training us to do I would say it's a low-grade involuntary uh, conflict situation where it's, it's perpetually high conflict for one and that's not normal Nobody has that level of conflict in, 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 in their day-to-day -day unless they know they have a managed expectation. They're training for their, like, okay, this is a high-conflict situation. We're all together in a team. We agree that th these are the terms and conditions of this conflict. Here are the rules of engagement. You know, here is the standby medic team. None of that exists for the Internet. And yet we throw our children into it, we throw our social structures into it, and these things happen. You know, there's, there's rules for professionalism. Don't take things personally, okay? Great. It, I'm not saying it's out the window, but when somebody takes a, you know, they're making deliberate attempts to get you into an unprofessional posture you know, they may not get called out for it by the boss who doesn't care. You know, whatever happens online may not, they may not care, you know, what happens on the Slack channel. You know, they, they may not care, you know, because the internet is supposed to have no rules. And maybe they don't care because they're too busy doing whatever it is that they're doing. But, you know, monitoring the, the teenage onslaughts or the teenage bullying between adults on Slack channels is not really their their game. But but I will say that there have been advances in the workplace for for conforming bully like behavior. Okay, if someone's being a bully or or openly harassing or committing you to say what I've discovered is a term called soft harassment. There is something called soft harassment. And soft harassment is where people put you in this posture where you're you're constantly conceding to these little little games of you know like you need more security so we're going to be a little bit more invasive we're gonna we're gonna deliberately delay you or inconvenience you um, we are going to deny you what you essentially would on any ordinary day normally expect you you know, are put in a, a posture of, it, of perpetual inconvenience, it is harassment. It is harassment. And so what you ordinarily would expect and have every right to expect, you are being denied for, for reasons that are unexplained to you um, or they are just, you know, there's just a petty tyrant who's, who's being in a, who's operating in a posture of simple denialism. Okay? So, that's the unsanctioned citizen part of this. Um, we're always looking and exploring for ways to, to name things or put a name on, on processes of sanctioning that, that really do happen in the world. So let me get to the AI piece of this because AI has turned out to be one of those, those tools in the toolkit of people to use to sanction other people. So we're going to go to um, the AI Act. The EU Parliament's discussions heat up over facial recognition and the scope applications to the social credit scoring. Okay, typically people will say, "Okay, this is the identified face of today's two minutes of hate," and because of this, we are going to select them for special punishment, special treatment. You know, when I say special, meaning like, you know they get especially picked on. So, I'll just read this. EU lawmakers held their first political debate on the AI Act Wednesday as the discussion moved to more sensitive topics, like the highly debated issue of biometric recognition. I also wanted to point out that up at the top, the box that says unsanctioned citizen, you just push to the left. There's several links there. There's some, and two of them are the news items we're gonna discuss today, but the third is an enrichment from Tim Cast on what type of uh, cartoon was produced by an AI. He, he actually programmed an AI to produce a, a, a neat little animated feature cartoon. <coughs> sorry, sorry about that. All right, 
So, the AI Act is a landmark EU legislation intended to regulate artificial intelligence, introducing a series of obligations proportional to the potential harm of the technology's application. So far, the co-rapporteurs of the European Parliament, the Social Dem Democrat Brando Benefe, and the liberal Dragos Tudorash have limited the discussion to more technical aspects, hoping to build momentum before addressing the more political hurdles. This approach is not without its successes since the file progressed in several parts. In the meeting, the MEPs formally agreed on the first two batches of compromises on administrative procedures, conformity assessment, standards, and certificates. Some significant parts on the third part on obligations for high-risk systems were also endorsed. However, most of the political meeting in Strasbourg Wednesday was dedicated to highly sensitive topics such as the scope of the AI regulation and the restraints to use biometric rec recognition, a much debated technology that allows identifying a person by its face or other personal traits. Biometric recognition. As expected, the most passionate part of the debate was on biometric recognition systems. Ahead of the meeting, the co-rapporteurs shared an agenda seen by your active, including a proposed rewording of the article rewording uh, on prohibited practices. In the initial draft, the European Commission proposed banning subliminal techniques, also known as dark patterns, exploitation of vulnerabilities, social scoring, and real-time biometric identification systems. However, the latter prohibition had some remarkable exceptions when it came to identifying kidnapping victims, preventing imminent threats such as terrorist attacks and flagging criminal suspects. Um, progressive lawmakers and civil society organizations have harshly criticized this approach, contending that the exceptions could open the door to more generalized surveillance. Leading MEPs now put that in black and white while leaving other prohibited practices untouched. The article now forbids placing or making available on the market, putting into service or use of remote biometric identification systems that are or may be used in publicly or privately accessible spaces, both offline and online. Notably, the text removes the reference for real-time, extending the ban to post-identification, affecting some of the most controversial cases, such as face scraping from company Clearview AI. Another significant extension is to private spaces, clarifying that the ban also applies to the online sphere. While the purpose of the preliminary discussion was precisely to get the views of the political groups out in the open, two European Parliament officials told Euractive that there appeared to be clear majority in favor of the ban, which is celebrated news because there is not a lot of margin for error when it comes to, to biometrics. You know, and the impacts it has on on real people. You know, banning it is is a a humane thing to do for the most of humanity. The, a complete ban would go along with a resolution adopted in October last year, with the center rights European People's Party was largely isolated in its calls for giving law enforcement some leeway in using, using the tools. Hmm. Well, uh, there was a way to conduct law enforcement before biometrics. And there should be a way to do it after. That's all I'm going to say. So the scope of the AI rulebook is another sensitive topic. The co-rapporteurs proposed an exemption for public authorities in third countries and international organizations that use the AI in the context of international cooperation or judicial co cooperation agreements and if they are covered by data adequacy decision or an agreement on fundamental rights. This compromise falls between... Uh, progressive MEPs asking for stricter fundamental rights safeguards, which are not necessarily covered by data adequacy decisions, and the center-right lawmakers favoring broader exemption for third countries. Moreover, the leading MEPs suggested that their regulation would not affect the EU's data protection rules, including those related to law enforcement and the European regime on consumer protection and product safety, national labor law, and purely research and development R&D activities. The R&D exemption was particularly discussed. At, according to one official, the issue here is more on the wording, as no one wants to provide a loophole. 
for a secondary parliamentary official on the issue of scope, there is general recognition that every group needs to renounce something, make a compromise, I think, and therefore the text needs to be looked at comprehensively. Lastly, there is an AI database provision. The initial commission's draft included an obligation for the AI systems to most likely cause harm to be registered in the EU database. Uh, the compromise amendments proposed extending that obligation to users that are public authorities and to anyone who makes a substantial modification to the system. The EPP and Greens disagree with such wording, but each group for opposite reasons. Uh, this article was already discussed at a technical meeting in late August. The lawmakers did not manage to discuss the new wording at Wednesday's meeting as the other two topics monopolized the debate. So that's where it is for now. Okay, so let me let me go to the comments here. It says, you just described all marketing though. It's like, why is it only even when it's digital, not analog? Explain how Don Draper identifies a market without defining biometrics. Okay, we'll get to it. There will be the discussion piece. Also, uh, I just wanted to say that there is the Axios piece that made a lot of waves this week. So we're going to go there right now. So TikTok, apparently, which is a um, bite dance company, that's the parent company um, owned by the PRC, PRC property that is the People's Republic of China. Um, TikTok will be trying to integrate a fulfillment center here in America. So let's see how that's going to go. So TikTok has chased Amazon with plans for U.S. fulfillment centers. Is really now really the time? So TikTok is planning to build its own product fulfillment centers. Let me just go invite some people. Oh, I did. I did that already. All right. So TikTok is planning to build its own product fulfillment centers in the U.S., creating an e-commerce supply chain system that could directly challenge Amazon, as indicated by more than a dozen new job openings posted in the past two weeks on LinkedIn. Why it matters. The move signifies TikTok's commitment to e-commerce as its next major revenue stream, following the explosive growth of its ad business by providing warehousing delivery and customer service returns our mission is to help sellers improve their operational c capability and efficiency, provide buyers a satisfying shopping experience, and ensure fast and sustainable growth of TikTok's shop, the company wrote in one job listing. Details. <clears throat> According to the job postings, TikTok is looking to build an international e-commerce fulfillment system that will include international warehousing, customs clearing, customs clearings. Okay, so that's a government function. They're pre-clearing it for customs. And supply chain systems that support domestic e-commerce efforts in the U.S. and cross-border e-commerce efforts. The systems will eventually perform parcel consolidation along with transporting goods from one stage to the next and managing free returns. Between the lines, for now it does not appear that TikTok builds to pl plans to build its own transportation unit like Amazon. The job postings simply imply that TikTok would work with vendors to handle shipping, parcel consolidation, and transport. The big picture. TikTok's meteoric growth, which has already taken its toll on Meta's Facebook and Instagram, has also begun to pose a threat to companies like Amazon and Google that rely on intent-based search advertising to drive business and shopping on their platforms. Okay. So they have an e-commerce arm. They have an e-commerce arm. I don't know how I really feel like about TikTok expanding its warehousing capability or its its commerce at this stage in the game. Um, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. So if there's anybody who'd like to call in and discuss this, this now would be the time. We've got over 19 minutes in. There's room for plenty of discussion uh, on the subject. So, Jonathan, if you'd like to call in, you can. You're usually pretty verbose about such things. Because otherwise, I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> hey, Jonathan. Long time no speak. Oh, yeah. It's been like almost 24 hours. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what's your... Uh, 
lead up is it TikTok or the EU regs? What's your what's your No, it was just the biometrics. Oh, just the biometrics. The, like that my question my question stands. Like, yeah, define marketing without like how do they identify me as a customer when they want to sell me a box of cereal? They it's just loosely analog biometrics. It's like who is my customer? When I mean, you ask yourself that question. Mm -hmm. Is it the housewife? Is it the working Joe? Is it the uh is it the guy who wears Birkenstocks and has a sailboat? Like these are biometrics, like literally biometrics. You well, know what I, mean? I guess the, the the scary part of it is is that there's government biometrics, and then there's government use of biometrics, and then there's the market-based use of biometrics. And I think that one of the key points of that I've made in the past is that the government can reach for what the market has, and but the market is dedicated to, to selling and it has a different purpose. It's not for law enforcement or for governance. And so those are two different purposes. So right here is where you, you, where you and I differ. You're a right libertarian and I'm a left oh, libertarian. Okay. And that like the difference is that you're like, oh no, the, 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 mar the, the private sector might give the government information and when they have it, what's really bad is gonna happen. No. It's really bad in the hands of the private sector. It's way worse there. They are already doing that which is way worse than the government would do with exceptional cases. Now you might have the government doing worse things but to fewer people because the way in which the private sector sort of consolidates us in, into little identitarian markets is already so far reaching and so subtle that we barely feel it happening. But it's the unfair, unfreedom that's experienced as freedom that's the most insidious because we think we're making choices but we're not and it's the market that do that does that and when the, the market government do does that, that it's the, the market, market do that, that the, it's, the, okay. it's the market that does that and when the government does it it's so yeah I'm, I'm like highly caffeinated right now <laughs> and when the government does it it's the market that taught it how so I mean, you can blame the market or you can blame individual vendors and an ecosystem, which is something I typically do. They're trying to place um, coordinated limits on the, the bad impacts of biometrics, of which there are plenty. I'm not saying that it doesn't get abused by the private sector. It certainly does, or we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. You know, you are not denied in your points. Um, however, we never expressly disagree with each other. We're always like, yes, this is the bad, and yes, this is also bad. We just sort of disagree on which is the heavier punch. Yeah, I think for me, because the government is the aspect where they have more authority. If I want to leave a market space voluntarily, I can, and I will, and I have. And so, you know, Google is not my government. Meta is not my but government. People... I, I can't wait for you to disagree with me how Meta is my government, Jonathan. Because they're not. It's more harmful to the population. Well, I mean, there's an it's... argument there to be had, but there's still this is about authority, and I'm speaking to you in terms of like yeah. governance and authority. The AIEU Act is to the point of government, all right. And but also, TikTok, TikTok also is owned. It's a, it's a, it's a merger of government and market with the state. Okay, the PRC government owns TikTok, and to have a, a fascist slash communist enterprise squatting on American soil makes me extremely uncomfortable. Okay, we can agree that public-private partnerships are the worst because then you have government not doing its job, which is to push back against and protect us from the private sector. When it becomes nothing more than the long arm of the private sector, it's doing the opposite of its job, which means you have a double well, punch. Well, a triple punch in this so, case because this is not a government that we are bid to conform to, but we are indulging them by a, a foreign yes, government, a, even a hostile, yeah. triple, an adversarial foreign, foreign government that has taken all all kinds of crazy license um, with the American population, with our and, and and they are spooky, dude. They take all kinds of data and say your data be my data, and then use Americans' data as their own personal currency for use in in China. So I don't I don't really believe we should have the right or the responsibility to indulge this 
I think if there is a greater threat here to be dealt with, say this weekend, I would say it's TikTok. TikTok is just one enterprise. Hikvision is another biometrics vendor that has participated in EU, not EU, but um, Uyghur genocides. And it's even had some play in the Tibetan cultural genocides that are taking place um, with uh, the indigenous people of that area in the Himalayas. So, um, so I, it's it's tough. They they do things in China without remorse or regret, and we have prohibitions of these things in America more generally. You know, to say that there is no prohibition on on these things, there, Clearview AI has been kind of banned from being used in police departments. There were some police departments that were caught using Clearview, um, but they have since been kind of upgraded uh, by the public. But they had to be caught, and that's the whole, whole point. When there is a mark, yeah, they're out there violating the Fourth Amendment. Yeah, every day. they when they do violate. They have, the to be, they have to be upgraded. They have to be caught, and they have to be told this is this is not the government we, we went for. Right. Yeah. Even though it was the exception in that movie, Seven. I don't know if you remember. Uh, but, like, it was supposed to be the exception. But it's become, if it wasn't already, standard operating procedure. That's, that's a problem. It is. I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Uh, it is a problem. Um, so I would say my complaint is the same as it was, you know, virtually 24 hours ago is that that this element is more high maintenance for me than the marketing element which I can walk away from you but you but people don't like this they self-select your your version of authority reminds me of Trump's like building a literal wall I'm like bro you're being way too literal building a literal wall the the systems that we're dealing with are a little bit more complicated. No, no, I'm than that. with you. I'm with you because I'll tell you. For years, I was, you know, I was communicating to back channels where people were just basically, ah, oh, forget her. Don't don't listen to that crap, you know. And, and I have I have objected to the wall being built. Uh, I've objected to the the efficacy of of the wall, whether it it actually works. Um, for years, for years, okay. And one yeah. of the the um, interestingly enough, that the, there is a lot that they they shoved into the real ID package that had to be beaten back. And one of the the cruel reasons for Donald Trump saying, "Okay, well, let's just make the identity part, like the identity mandate, gone and make it voluntary for people um, who are Americans to have their IDs." Let's just make it voluntary for there to be a, a, a real ID. You can you can have it or not have it. It, it, it. We're gonna take the mandate sting out of this, but the rest of the act gets to go forward. And in that, we can have a, our we can have our stupid fence. So it was kind of one of those tricky compromises where they get to keep their stinking law, and no one repealed it. You know, to to wit, you know, there was more of a compromise and loss there, but in the event, uh, in the long-term interest of, of civil society, I think that we should not have a checkpoint state, and that's what that identity law meant. Plus, there was biometric provisions in there that were really odious. Some of them did go forward in certain states like Washington, Washington State, which has zero, zero problems with raking anyone for any information whatsoever and putting it in a vastly insecure database as long as it's in the go a government your, database your your biometrics are used in ways that you're most often you're not aware of and when you say oh i can walk away it's like i'm picturing somebody's like oh i could turn right to go to work or i could turn left to go to work or i could quit my job and run away and then i'll be out of the system but the, they're in it's like when the person is in the matrix the whole time None of those things matter. Hey, hey Jonathan, like, is there a solution in regardless. there for any of us? I mean, you're you're making a, a valid complaint here, but I, I don't really don't hear a solution attached to it. A sol well, I yeah. mean, political solution right, just, or just like a ideological solution. solution. I mean, I I've probably repeated my personal political platform as many well, times as possible. Well, how about just this one thing? Probably tired just, of that. Just but... this one thing, because we're talking about this one thing. Just talk about this okay, one thing. Okay, let's go with one thing. person. I can consume less. 
How's that? Oh. Consume less. And then they have less of your balls in the vice because you're just not giving as much of it up. Because you think you're going to make a choice between Pepsi and Coke or one brand of laundry detergent in another or one livelihood in another or one apartment in another. That's not a choice. It's a fake choice to make you feel free. But consume less. Make no choice. Then okay, they don't Bill have Bill Hicks. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm... Hey, I like Bill Hicks. Wasn't he a Texan? I don't know. He is dead. No, Arizona. Um, you know, and he was somebody that I did give an audience to one point. So, so I mean, there's more than... more than. Is he too psychedelic for you? No. No, that's not the point. It's just it's just that I have a reason to not agree with you and I, I already control enough of my personal behaviors shopping online that I don't do it every day. Now I do live with somebody who is a more of um I would say a, an online shopping validation person. And I think that to to wit, I think we should go out and and forage for our goods. And I think well, if you want a better I'm answer, li- you got to have a more specific question. Here, Jonathan, I think if we, if you want to go out and forage for your goods in person with cash, that's a much better way to evade the um, online marketing cash of biometrics. Yeah, so I agree. that's what I, my approach. You know, I think that the people who shop online are becoming shrunken individuals who are who stay in their cages willingly, and. Yeah, that's exactly my point. Willingly yeah, staying in the I'm cage. Not, I'm not feel like you're disagreeing with you on that point. I'm just saying that the, the solution I offer is that is to, to get out and forage. You know, make your life a little less inconvenient because you must shop for things that you need. You know, we're not going to... But it's more um, paleo-human to go out there and forage and, and do it with. Yours is better because you will include mine by proxy. If you go and forage, you'll end up consuming less just because. Yeah, right? you'll get what you need, which is what the, that's the whole point of shopping is to, to get your needs met. Um, but you're you're more selective about where you put your your commerce, and um, you know electronic ease and convenience has made us kind of it's it's become a pretty slavey process. Uh, yeah. Well, when you said solution, I didn't know if you meant like that you could do at home or a political solution. No, it's just, just general like, hacks you know. for the whole process. I mean, it's a problem. And, you know, you're problem solving in a, in a variety of different ways. You don't feed systems that, that are, you know, parasitic to your interest. And I see it as a system, a government's a system. You know, I, I cannot, you know, unfatten it because it takes taxes from us for involuntarily. So while that is a measure of theft that's that's become commonly accepted, um, you know my my solution for the tax problem or the theft problem is to like pay, not pay pay less taxes necessarily, but to eliminate things that are taxable, eliminate or edge back the tax system if if possible, because we end up monetizing things and our money being thrown around and being barred from uh, representation in these areas. Uh, for instance, like the, the Ukraine war, uh, I am lucky to be in a district where our representative has enough um, tour de force in, in the public around here. They don't believe in that war, and they won't they won't be okay with endless funding of endless wars. So he he's he votes a no, uh, but there are other people in other districts where they're going to just unconditionally vote yes because you know the majority of the constituents that live there work for Lockheed. Or for Northrop Grumman, you follow me? Yeah. Yeah. So that's an issue. Um, so everybody kind of gets their vote, um, but it's no longer sustainable that we say, okay, <coughs> the rest of America shall concede to endless war and or endless spending on X, you know, deficit bloat because, you know, this district needs to feed this industry that works exclusively for the government. That's not okay. So... Hey, you sound like a leftist. Just exchange monetize for commodify, and you're sounding like a, a leftist. A problem. You're not going to make me a leftist, saying. I'm dude. just saying. And the reason why... There's, there's good reasons for that, because the leftists get... You know, I, I have intelligent arguments, and there's liberty arguments to be made, 
but I can I have found that when I move to leftist districts I am less free less satisfied and less um, able to do things I normally do my quality of life is is you know hemmed and hawed people tell me what to do all the time and and nobody lets me be myself that's because they're bad. No, at they're it. they're leftists. That's what they do. Neoliberals have. No, they they think they dude, are. Dude, I've I did it. I did it for probably last 15, 20 years of my life. Probably longer than that because I, it was L.A., then it was Austin, then it was Northern California, then it was Seattle for ten years. So yeah, it's been the majority of my life, and and I did have another part of my life where I spent in states that were run by by you know, red state government. And I'm going to say at this point, because we moved back to Texas, I'm going to prefer the red state government because they'll get off my back and leave me alone more than the others. Yeah, but I'm going to say that they're bad at it because the leftists would be looking at systems and not placing the responsibility on the end user and the individual consumer as if it's your moral duty to abstain from everything, as if you even could abstain from yeah, buying I'm not, things. I'm not that sure that leftists ever take line. responsibility. They always foist it onto the government to be, well, you did. did, but, you know, most leftists will put the responsibility on the government to be the nanny of all. And so I don't, or they take it upon themselves to also be the government's nanny over things that aren't even lawfully law. Well, I might put it on the government, but I'm not going to put it on you and your consumer choices. Like, you're a bad person if you don't buy vegan or whatever. Like, I don't do that shit. That's not leftist. Why? Because you're not looking at systems. Well, I, I can't say what's leftist or not leftist, so I'm not really the leftist official. I just did. You know, <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure that you can go fight with other leftists about that. I'm not... I. I Oh, and I I'm, do. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do because they're always quibbling over something about whether whether the government the is worst. running us better or not all the time. The fights that I have with conservatives and right-leaning libertarians is like, is this left's government or not? Is the government going to get off my back or not? Will they get out of my way or not? And then it's like, okay, they still do have an authoritarian street, but it's over things like health. Yeah. We share the sentiment. I just phrase it differently. Like, are you going to do your job or not? Like, your job is really kind of. It seems like I'm splitting hairs, but I'm not. You know, they have they have invasive processes invoked by leftist democratic government. Okay, that are extremely invasive and overreaching and invalidating. Like, if you go to the government, and you say, okay, regardless of my party, I have a dissent in this area. Well, I'm not going to listen to you because. You didn't come with so and so nonprofit click and geo click, okay? And that's not something I get in red states, okay? If these this pack or this NGO has a pre-existing relationship, then I get the door open to me, rather than you know if I show up and I'm Joe individual, I have a strong voice and a good point, okay? In a red state, I get a better chance. You know, and when you say invasive, that's the line where I separate liberal from leftists. Liberal are they, they use government power liberally. They are very yeah, invasive. And it's such a it's but, such a play on words because liberal used to be. I know, I know. Liberal used to be. Doing. You know, let's be free. Let's accept new ideas. Let's you know, let's live and let live. You know, and that's what liberal used to mean. Now it means uh, neoliberal. Which is not liberal at all. Right. But I'm very classic liberal. Keep in mind that classic liberals liked wealth taxes, health care, even some like housing, like some college. Like I'm for all those things, but I have not gone into socialism yet. I didn't talk about worker owned means of production. I just talked about getting something for my money because my grandfather dug ditches to pay off his poll tax. So the value of his labor added value to the country. I don't want anything for free. It's paid for. He paid for it, and I paid for it. When shit came out of my paycheck that I never agreed to, it's paid for. It's not free shit. Well, it was raked out of it, whether you want it or not. Here's your cover. Here's yeah, your cover, and they paid for it, whether you want it or not. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sick of being like, we just want free shit. It's not fucking free. I paid for it. Give it to me. <laughs> it's a contract. Well, when you show, this is the the default problem, is that when you show up and you ask for representation. In a government that's really high tax and low representation, um, that's when it be sucking a lot. 
okay? And that's what I got in Western Washington. You know, they're like, oh, well, you didn't, you didn't, you know, you didn't schmoove the, uh, the, uh, the global government NGO over here. So we're, we'll just, you know, we might get you a meeting, but more than likely we'll ignore you. You know, and that's what they do. Whereas yeah, I can I'm, get I'm a meeting, agree with, I can I'm get a meeting for a low dollar amount and show up. Like if I pay for a ticket, I just went to one. This week, I sat in the. I sat with my U.S. congressman, which I never sat down with my U.S. congressman, but once. And when it was, she was evaluating um, the USA Freedom Act. There was a round table, and there was just. I, I was outnumbered by and large. I think I was the only libertarian in the room. Everyone else was a lock, lock left. You know, like if we don't know you, if you are not associated with our siloed group of leftist cliques, then you're not going to get an email. <laughs> I agree with you that they're like people who that call happened. themselves leftists or liberals in the United States. Happened. They're the worst. Like happened. I right, I'm right now I'm in Georgia. Right. And like, even though what I don't like about the, the conservative right wing Georgians is they don't look at systems, at least the leftist liberals look at systems, but, but they're, it's like they lose their humanity, and they're not even people. They're just agents of their ideology. Whereas the conservative right-wing people down here, they're people mm -hmm. first. I individuals. like that. You know what they're I mean? individuals, yeah, yeah, and they've exactly. never forgotten you know, that they get to be an individual. Here's, I wrote to... Right. Uh, they have not surrendered their identity to some sort of idea that they don't even really understand. They just the really enjoy pretending to understand it. And the collective punishment. Okay, if you don't show up in a group or a collective you have no representation rather than than the taxable representation actually acting in a function that works okay when you are ta there is no taxation without representation and it is true theft of service okay if you go to some place that has not represented your interest and you say you know what you didn't do what i wanted or what i needed and I can say that there's a majority of people here who have been margined out, so we will take our taxable income and go somewhere where we can get representation. And that's exactly what happened, okay? And they refused, they took the taxes and did not represent. And that happens all the time. So. If only I could get the Georgians here. To look at systems, because the flip side of the coin of the individualism is everything that happens that's bad. It becomes about individual responsibility, as if there's no such thing as a, a big, complicated system that can exit, exert a subtle power on people and can modify them without their ever being aware of it. There's like, oh, well, well, maybe you, you shouldn't have done that. Why don't you get another job? Why did you that you think that they might be after you open a few discussions? You know. I have tried, and they're they're not dopey, but they have been robbed of a certain language because they're scared of it. They don't like words like commodify. Well, then you know stop I mean? using five dollar like, words with regular Georgians, Jonathan. Uh, okay. I'd have. All right. Uh, okay, I'll try. I'll, I'll, I'm going to take it to heart. I'm going to listen to what you just said. I'm going to try. I'm, I'm going to do better. All right. So I mean, just just come use language. You're in Rome. It's not a regular place for you, yeah. Iowa. It should be. Because you should be able to talk, talk to, you know, Buckeyes with the same linguistics that you can with Georgians, which is weird. It's we weird. Buckeyes in Iowa, too. Well, Buckeyes are from, you know, the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes. I meant to say Hawkeyes. Oh, Hawkeyes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... Buckeyes are Ohio. Forgive me, Ohio. Oh, Buckeyes. Forgive I thought, me. I thought you said black no, guys. No, I said I like, Buckeyes. <laughs> 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 to wit, I said Ohio, uh, uh, which is associated more with Ohio than, than Iowa. Hawkeye, Hawkeye. So nobody down here knows the difference between Ohio, Idaho, and Iowa. They're like, I, oh. I do actually. Uh, yeah. I do, and people people who work campaigns also do because they have to know the population in order to advocate. Right. They're like, do you want these people to vote or not? Well, then know it. <laughs> yeah, but the population of the St. Mary's boatyard actually, the boat people are pretty geographically good because you can't go boating if you don't know. Where you're going? They sail all over the world. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, back to AI. I mean, they may be remote in those in those places because they want to silo themselves away from 
from the the AI recognition problem. Okay, it is scary. Um, I notice that I'm not I'm not immune to being spooked by things that are high sensation either. So I I thought I was, but I'm not twenty something anymore. And I realize that you know I've I've chosen a quieter life uh, with more more nature bases in it because I have too much too much tech going on and then sometimes the tech will flood me and that is one of the the, the behavioral problems of, of AI it's not going into this EU Parliament but I know that sometimes <clears throat> that behaviors which is the heuristics and and the user interface are tracked okay in these dark patterns which were discussed dark patterns singularly pick on a person like they'll they'll pick on an individual they'll turn up um, issues like in, in this call-in uh, programming like I don't know why it's happening but certain subscriptions I get I don't get notifications for like for instance Schellenberger's program I don't get any notifications well this app is still shit stop that's, you know, that's probably all <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> help calling it shit Point, pointing out certain problems specifically will help them. That will assist them in their in their troubleshooting. But I will tell you. It's new and it's free. I can't complain. <laughs> like, here I am, right? I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm going to give I'm gonna give it to David Sachs this week. He was he um, introduced him and Justin Smith. They, they introduced this really interesting uh, video aspect. You know, there will be video. I'd rather not. I know, so. I know. And, and radio people and auditory people don't. And I probably won't be the first to go for it. It's going to change it. It's too much aesthetics. When you said heuristics and mm -hmm. behaviors, I was like, oh, what a perfect example of what I was talking about and why I don't want this to go to video. They're one and the same. Because it's people self-selecting. Mm -hmm. Without a single exertion of any authoritarian government, I knew that via people's self-selection only, I was going to have to for the next fucking week. And their pure quest of I'm going to have to for a week listen to people talking about what Kanye West tweeted somebody one day. A week of it on every program. Why? They self-select because the behaviors and heuristics people who turn in biometric data know that you're going to respond that way to it. And that's why I don't want this to go to video because it's going to come about aesthetics. And people are going to like, you know, it's, it's going to be about angles and lighting and distance and like who's pretty and like fuck all that man I want use your words like a big boy and explain your ideas in a, in a literary way I like this app for that reason okay Jonathan that's that's a strong full-throated response to to the use of video on the platform other people are gonna be like I really would like to see the person I'm talking to I'm just trying to think of that from their point of view that's just they want to ad hominem you because of the way you look. That's okay, what they well, want. That's they want to be able to not fear. listen to ugly people. I'm telling people. you that, that, that other people want to be seen. They have zero problems with being seen. They just don't have any problems. They're like, I want to be seen. I want people to look at me. I want people to see my hair. I want people to see my outfit. You know. That's because they know that nobody would listen to them if they couldn't show up. I their don't. I disagree. Money. More than likely, these will be ugly men who don't shave on a regular basis and wear a ball cap and, and make terrible remarks at women. I've seen it on YouTube over and over and over again. There's a track record here. It's ugly men who get online and make terrible remarks and they say terrible things about women and they... That's their audience, yeah. is people who look yeah, like so, them. So again, you know, so, using so looks. The P, it won't be different, Jonathan. What it will be is if this video platform, it will be ugly and sell men still making equally disgusting disparaging remarks at women uh, on the platform and they'll be lonely because they haven't figured out how to relate to a woman without, without you know actively insulting them so all i see on Colin so far is there's a few sports channels and then there's a bunch of left politics you're the only really that's right wing that's not true i know that, that's not true <laughs> i saw um, one more that was i forgot their name though I think it was just called America First. Yeah, there's, wasn't it? there's an America First crew, but I'm not sh really sure what they are. I think they're AstroTurf at this point. Um, you know, Ali Alexander, I haven't figured out. From from other reports, like particularly Jenny Hatch, who I think is an authority in the area, 
She went on a Brady Crows program, <clears throat> one of the many, because he has like 10 shows. And she said that um, Ali Alexander actually used to be a character by the name of Ali Akbar. And I don't, I don't have any proof of this, but she said that it was known online that this was the case. I had, based on what my professional assessment is of, you know, social media trolling and and the group of behaviors that he's invited, how they happened at the platform. They're like, oh, I'm this instant authority. I have an instant following. We came over from Clubhouse, blah, 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 blah. Some of that may be absolutely true. Um, but I don't think that they have, they have uh, a delivery and attack that is extremely hostile to new people. They, they mobbed Blotty. You know, and I don't know if you, you know, you've heard Blotty on other programs before. He, he makes a lot of points and he's, he's a regular guy. You know, he, he's pro-Trump, he's pro, he's very conservative, but he, he measures his points and he's polite and he, he you know, he, he disagrees with people. Um, but he doesn't, doesn't necessarily openly attack people individually. He'll attack concepts, he'll attack, uh, and similarly, uh, I have been dragged into things I don't want to, to be dragged into, um, by people who've been trained by the internet to be combative, okay? The internet has trained a certain generation to be openly combative. They don't have any, any training in uh, debate hygienics, okay? So there's rules to debate. They've never been trained in the rules of debate. What they think is a good debate is actually just troll counter troll. And that's, that's, not, a, that's not a debate. There's no points being make, made. They're just watching Jerry Springer, okay? So... There's a lot of that that's, you know, kind of come into the play in the last, like, I don't know, 15, 30 days, and it's been exhausting. I, I've really been re quite tired of it. You know, I, I, it's like, okay, I'm going to pull into this garage, and I think I'm going to have a discussion, and it's not like paying birds, so I have to, like, you know, I have to drive backwards really fast to get out of it. <clears throat> So, um, so I don't, I'm not going into participation with any of these rooms until after the election, because this is so that they can smear or marginalize what they perceive to be competition. They don't want legitimate discussions about topics unless they can plead, plead that they are the singular authority on the source. Okay, and that is what I do see from this guy who's who's Ali Alexander, you know online moniker i think he's just really interested <laughs> in having a show you know like that's his end goal is to just keep having a show because that's what he would like to do because so he doesn't have to get a real job well i mean anybody can have a show man i mean like i'm i'm doing my show here yeah. and i'm, I'm yeah. doing the hundred days of calling commitment that's so not the only thing it. you're trying to do go ahead you're you're also trying to have a kind of a discourse that is in least some way productive, <clears throat> even if it's just for us and our 14 call-in. There's only a couple people here, but like, we're, it, it, you have more goals than entertainment, I think. Yeah, do, I mean, anyway. I don't, I don't think my 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 goal is really to inform and kind of get people's responses and understand how they're feeling about certain certain things that are challenging to me, what edge of the fence that they're kind of on, how they feel about it try to talk to workshops and solutions and so far in the last like maybe four to six days I've really gotten kind of like the call and response I really want um, you know the the people who are calling into the show are other activists who are like trying to like go okay well what you know what are we doing about this and that's kind of what I've, I've really always wanted I've always wanted to have a show where I could you know kind of you know toolkit you know pedestrian activism on various things because that's that's kind of what I'm good at I have a skill in that area and when I offer it I had a segment years and years ago um, called do-it-yourself government and basically that would be okay you'd be sharing hacks to like get in front of people kind of avoid some of these soft harassment uh, categories uh, what I think I really need is I need somebody who's like really excelling in the area of social media because I just I don't know I, I think I just missed a jump on the the whole <clears throat> you know influencer panache uh, bid there and uh, but you know I 
Yeah, but I don't think I would be here if you were really good at there that. There you go. Because I find it highly annoying. Yeah, it really is. You know, I'm oh. here because I think, firstly, your edge is authentic. These things, you're not pretending to be mad. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you have some authentic curiosity. And thirdly, as you just said, it, there is some place where the rubber is supposed to hit the road and somebody's supposed to do something about changing something. Oh, right? great. Like, yes. that's in, always in there. The, <laughs> it's always on the back. Yay! <laughs> somebody recognizes what I'm doing. So that's three reasons, and none of them have anything to do with panache, because I find panache <laughs> annoying for reasons I've already ranted about just about four minutes ago. Yay, I'm going to clap for Jonathan. Yay! So I hope Alex and uh, Lana and whoever else is listening out there is getting as much out of this as I am. Um, we have to probably wrap it up. We've been going for a good 55 minutes. Uh, you know, in the last couple of minutes of, of this podcast, Jonathan, what, what would you like to say to the prospective audience? Any, any, any wrapping remarks? Go forage, Go, go forage I mean, for your, your things. Sure, why not? Food. That creeping Charlie, you can just eat it right off the ground. Head no oh, hey, there's Brady! I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you up to speakers, Jonathan, and then we're going to take Brady, because I love Brady. I miss him. Okay, so um, invite to speak. You're the garlic mustard, too. You can just eat that right out of the ground, too. If I knew what it looked like, I might do it. Brady would tell me Brady would will, tell me uh, what it looks like. Okay, I'm going to make him the next caller. Hey, Brady! It's all over Iowa. How are you doing, my friend? Hello, Sheila. I'm going to the fair today. You're going yes, to the fair? Yes, sir, I'm going to the fair. Because I cannot take too much That's more of this Colin stuff. <laughs> I gotta cool. go forage for some uh, ski ball. <laughs> oh hell yeah! I got booked for a show tonight. I got booked for a Halloween where, party where at? tonight. At a blues bar downtown. Downtown in in Houston. San, San Antonio. All right, that's great. Can you tell the listeners where you're gonna be? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah uh, blah, 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 let's see. Uh, Blues on Broadway. Blues on Broadway. <laughs> <clears throat> and who's what's the lineup? Yep. It's just me hosting karaoke and doing free tarot readings and like you costume contests. You do tarot contests. readings? Yes. Free tarot readings. Oh, can you pull one right now? I think I could probably do that. Let me see if I got them. Okay. With see. see, because I'm I'm really old school. Like, I'm not going to get an honest answer from Colin about my my uh my daily traffic so if i ask them like what do people think of me at colin what's my audience really think of me um i would probably have to use brady before i'd get an answer from colin because they're busy <laughs> well with colin in general just think about quality and not quantity because like it's just it's never i've never seen a room with more than 100 or 200 people in it but I'm surprised by how many of those people were worth listening to. Well, I mean, I like Stephen Miller. Stephen's been real receptive, and he's actually a pretty good, um, pretty good, great journalist, good talking head on um, the national TV networks. I've gotten a lot out of um, discussions with Mike Tracy. Glenn, when he's here, for God's sake, please keep praying for David Miranda. He's in a bad way. Um, uh, okay, I've my cards. And, uh, and Anthony Amin. Really, really diplomatic fellow guy. All right, go, Brady. Like, what does, what does the call-in audience think of my program? Paul. <laughs> I dig it. Okay, so you you pulled the card out and it said, "I dig it." Oh, shuffle, shuffle, and then the pull. Ah, uh, the the audience thinks your your program is the moon. Is the moon? Oh, they think I'm crazy. Oh. Or it could be a term of admiration. You have some Alex Jones vibes from time to time. I do. Maybe it's the Austin. It's a globless conspiracy. Maybe I'm rolled in the Austin nuts. <laughs> like, we think the moon of you. <laughs> we think the moon. Not the sun or the sky, but it's the moon. It's still maybe, maybe I'm moody. Maybe maybe they think I'm moody. Nah, you're not moody. Okay. You have all the same mood usually. <laughs> you're not moody. <laughs> Your mood is this is all fucking bullshit. <laughs> we need to do something about this. Ah, this is bad. Things are happening in the world. 
and let's take out the garbage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I've become a no, verbal garbage man. Thanks, thanks, Jonathan. I, 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 I'm beginning to see myself in an important new light. It's like, hey, who's going to take this well, out? It's, it's nice to have somebody other than me to vocalize my frustrations. So, yeah, I mean, you're taking the garbage out of my mind and putting it into words, and then, if I, then I don't have to do it for an hour. So, yes, thank you. So, Brady, um, you've had some, some good calls this week. You know, what's what's the top score for, for what you've been doing? Oh, the best room was the Pizzagate room, <laughs> the Pizzagate debunking okay. room. That was wild and All crazy. All right, so give me, give me a summation, like, what what went down? We found out a lot of new things um, <clears throat> just by just kind of randomly reading some new Pizzagate articles. Like there was one about Mayor Bill de Blasio reading a book about a secret pizza party to a group of children in a New York library. And like everyone was like, hmm, that's a really weird like choice of book to read to a bunch of kids, like a book about keeping secrets. Like it's kind of strange. And then, like, a few years later, you know, Pizzagate, Pizzagate came out after that, and that was kind of weird. And then we also found out that uh, the Urban Dictionary scrubbed the definition of uh, cheese pizza from their Urban Dictionary after Pizzagate, too. Huh. That's sad. You know, maybe it'll come in. Kind of shady. <laughs> I actually got something published on, um, on Urban Dictionary along, uh, <clears throat> I, mean, I think it was, like, an agitorial that was the yeah. Oh, nice! I have a bunch of great new words for Urban Dictionary. Yeah. I should S totally submit publish them, and, and if they get published, then but agitorial is the it's kind of like ag agitative yeah, like propaganda, but it's an editorial that agitates. Yeah, the cousin is what I came stuff. up with. That's when you marry your you marry your you marry your cousin, and he becomes your cousin. So like House of Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. Why is, you know, incest, you know, there's this cycles and, like, you know, chaotic, dysfunctional, like, romance uh, things. And I guess it's coming, there was there was a point in the 90s where people were openly, flagrantly discussing um, <clears throat> incest, you know, as, as, a, as a boondoggle, you know, because of the relational, you know, magnet for sensation. Um, I think one of the things that really... Highlighted the time was uh, oh the one who was in sister sister wives matter. oh that was a few years ago <clears throat> polygamy can you just just a moment <laughs> okay so I need to clear my throat there but um was Joy Lee Angelina Joy Lee kissed her brother that's what happened okay. At an Oscar oh. ceremony, and people went ballistic. It was like the the craziest thing ever, because she. Hey, come on, man! It's Angelina Jolie. Well, I mean, it was it was kind of high high sensation. Like they did it for the attention, and to pull, and it pulled the attention away uh -huh. from the ceremony. So it was viewed as unprofessional and purely narcissistic, um, uh, classless act of of you know attention pouring. Classless act of incest. Classless act of, of attention whoring, and um, so uh, but you know that those cycles still come back around in terms of like trends. So now there's a young adult trend of like having this ambiguous incestuous relationship with like a brother or a cousin or something like that, and then they brought that into the you know the cousin cousin uncle incest kind of thing that's coming uh, coming up for with the. Um, the dragon. I certainly noticed that it became a theme in porn, like all of a sudden overnight. It's like, oh, I'm your sister now. Like, wait, wait, I was slowed up. That what? was rather abrupt, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very strange. So, I mean, there are cycles where I think that you know you can disregard that. Just like, I other <laughs> other porn trends. Like you're like, ah, eh, that's not for me. That's like, there are there are shoe trends and bra trends and other types of fashion trends. I'm like, nope, not sorry. So I just opt out. <clears throat> so you can do that with your your other types of trends as well. <laughs> Gonna at least porn trends. Um, you know, other people would not admit that there are trends. 
but you know what you feed yourself is really important okay we shut down the room by talking about that there are you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> okay Brady I'm gonna wrap it thanks for calling in it's been an hour five minutes yeah, Brady's a buzzkill right. we'll, t- we'll see you on you. Monday thanks for stopping in adios thanks for listening before you go hit the subscribe button remember that callers are welcome Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast Archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call-In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.